feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Republicans are vowing to get to the bottom of the coronavirus, and they are trying to put continued pressure on the Olympics and their sponsors. I say bravo to all of this. You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. What are your thoughts about the fact that the Olympic ratings have really been plummeting? There's some new numbers that just came in that viewership is down. And if you go all over social media, you can see that a lot of people are buzzing and talking about the human rights violations taking place in China. And when you hear this, you go, "Okay, well, maybe some of these things have not fallen on deaf ears. There have been a lot of people who have been talking about the problems that have been happening in China. And one of them is former Green Beret, Florida Congressman Michael Waltz. And he is going to be joining us here on the show in about uh, about 10, 15 minutes or so from now. So definitely make sure that you stay tuned for that. We're going to get his reaction because he did a blistering ad going after what he calls the genocide games. That's what he is calling the Olympics in China. And do you think it's appropriate that many people are basically saying, I'm not going to tune in? The numbers, by the way, for the viewership of the opening ceremony were down. We've seen estimates anywhere from 50 to 70 percent. That's a big, big difference. Half at least of what it was since 1988. I mean, that's a long time. So that's a good thing. It looks like people are indeed listening and also saying, you know what, I'm not going to tune in. A lot of people also, if you go on social media, are saying, I'm not going to go buy this product because now they're hearing that there's, you know, sponsored by Uyghur labor. I mean, these are the human rights camps that we've heard about from Gordon Chang and other people who have talked about just these horrible human rights abuses that have been taking place. So much so that Gordon Chang was saying that between the labor camps of this minority group, the Uyghurs over there in China, there's a crematorium. I mean, how shocking is that to think about in modern times? And, of course, that harkens back to the times of the Holocaust when you think about how horrible and atrocious that is. And so some of the new numbers are showing that people are indeed tuning it out. Are you watching the Olympics or are you boycotting it in your home? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And do you think that we should be tuning it out. I know a lot of people talked about the diplomatic boycott. We're not sending diplomats there. A lot of other countries are not. China doesn't seem to care because they're still broadcasting it and pretending like it's all hunky-dory. You know, the people there only get limited information. But still, should there have been a bigger boycott with athletes? Should there be a bigger protest against some of the sponsors? And this comes at a time 
where you look at all the other things that are going on with Joe Rogan and you got Neil Young and these people who are saying, oh, I'm not going to be a part of Spotify. I'm not going to be a part of any of these things if indeed, you know, Joe Rogan's a part of it because they didn't like Joe Rogan initially talking about, you know, vaccines and questioning different things tied to Dr. Fauci and all this other stuff. But when you come to it and you realize that indeed there is this abuse of the Uyghur population, massive human rights issues, I say bravo that in this case, I'm not big into cancel culture. I'm not big into any of those things. But I say bravo in the sense that I'm glad that they are actually banning and that they are talking about boycotts. And so far, it looks like a lot of people are tuning out. A lot of people are saying the same thing. You know what? Maybe I'm not going to watch Chinese propaganda. Maybe I'm not going to watch China talking and bragging about how great the country is and what a place it is for tourism. And it also comes at a time where, as I was mentioning, that now Republicans are really stepping up their efforts and saying that it is time to really get to the bottom of what caused the coronavirus. I mean, we've got 900,000 people killed in the United States alone. And why do we not know the answers? And why has nobody in this government so far, and granted, there's a Republican uh, minority in the Senate and in the House. The Democrats are running the show in both the House and the Senate. But why are they not pushing for an answer for the American public to say, hey, what's going on with all of this? What's the answer to all of this? Why do we not know what caused the coronavirus, the deadliest virus in modern times? And the Democrats, for some reason, seem to go, okay, no problem. I'm not going to really worry about it. China doesn't really want us to come in. Okay. You know, I mean, come on. That is unbelievable. And I'm happy to hear that now Republicans, especially in the last few days, we have heard this choir of Republicans coming out, including Michael Waltz, who's going to be here on the show in about 10 minutes, basically saying, you know what, enough. That if they get into power, they will then have the authority to be able to decide what kind of committees, what kind of oversight investigations. Right now, they really have no power whatsoever. And that's put them in a very, very difficult situation. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Carol, your thoughts about the Olympics and are you watching them? No, <laughs> no. Um, if it was any place else except China, perhaps I would, but I, I just can't do it. In fact, a lot of people didn't even want the athletes to go, but, but they did. They went because they wanted to. Um, I think it's terrible. And what's happening to the Uyghurs and all the other human rights violations that are going on? No, I, I, I just have no interest. And watching it at all. Carol, at all. you have always been a great patriot, and I love you even more. Thank oh, you for the call. Bravo, I, bravo, bravo, my friend. Let's go to Mary Beth in Huntington, New York. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Rita, I am tuning out the Olympics for many reasons, but I always tune into you. You're great. Thank you uh, so much. Now, why are you tuning out the Olympics? Well, they're human rights issues abominable. And the COVID situation, it's not just we Americans who need to know what happened. The world needs to know. You know, we're not going to sweep this under the carpet. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's what gets me. You know what? We can't ignore it. Um, And the fact that it is so atrocious, I also feel like history is going to judge us. History is going to look back and say, you know, in hindsight, would we have done something different? Of course, you know, with the, you know, think about with the Germany games in the 1930s. I think the answer is yes, obviously. I mean, I think it's a resounding yes. Um, And so I agree. I think I think it's powerful and I think it's so important. Mary Beth, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Jim in Mamaroneck. Jim, your thoughts about all this. First of all, Rita, I would rather go to Staten Island and watch some strangers bowl badly than than, than watch these Olympic Games. I mean, a couple things. Well, and by the way, by the way, I'm going to defend Staten Island because there's some pretty good bowlers there, Jim. By the way, (laughs) maybe let's play someplace where that has bad bowls. Maybe maybe duckpin bowling down in Baltimore or something, or cantlepin bowling up in Vermont. The point is that it's a perfect storm of bad stuff. You basically have the Chinese who treat these Uyghur people terribly. But a bottom line is, who cares about these sports? It's like. Uh, well, and you, but you know, but you know what's interesting, Jim? I care about the sports, um, and I care about the athletes, but I care very much more about human rights. When we come back, Congressman Michael Waltz on his take. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. Well, NBC refused to air this ad blasting the Beijing Olympics over its human rights record there. The world's greatest athletic showcase. But just outside the show, rape, genocide, slave labor. American companies are drunk on Chinese dollars, entangled with communist dictators committing atrocities and propping up these genocide games staged by the Chinese Communist Party. And what can we do? Stand for freedom. Defund the dictators. When you see made in China, put it down. And joining us now to talk about all of this is the person you just heard there in the ad. Again, the Olympics in Beijing being called the Genocide Games by our next guest, Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz, a former Green Beret. Congressman, great to have you here on the show. Hey, no, thank you, and uh, thanks for helping put a spotlight on uh, on this genocide and this hypocrisy that's going on. Yeah, are you surprised? Um, first off, uh, it seems like some of the new numbers are in, that the ratings are down, the viewership is down big time for the opening ceremony. Um, we're also hearing word that some of the sponsors are not as actively promoting the games this year. Uh, do you think maybe your message is resonating? I think it is. Um, you know, the the American people see through this hypocrisy. Um, you know, the thing that we really wanted to point out in the ad is you have all of these companies with these woke CEOs and, and, and boards like, you know, Intel and Visa and Coca-Cola and Airbnb, and they preach social justice here at home. They want to boycott, you know, baseball in Georgia uh, over over, you know, voting integrity law. Right. But then when it comes to unleashing COVID on the world, 6 million people dead, uh, China's uh, government covering it up, uh, their military buildup, threatening our supply chains, aggressive towards Taiwan and their neighbors, and on top of it all, nearly 2 million Muslims, Rita, in concentration camps with their heads shaved, 
forced rape, uh, forced labor. Yeah, I mean, it is just jaw dropping. And and all of these companies just want to ignore uh, all of that uh, because because of their of their bottom line. And we called them out on this ad. And we called out NBC, and sure enough, uh, they they refused at the end of the day to run it. Yeah, what was your reaction to the fact that NBC didn't say they said, okay, well, maybe if you get rid of the advertiser's name, but that was yeah. much of the purpose of the ad. Yeah, they came back and was like, well, we'll run it. You just need to materially change it and uh, and erase all those logos and basically let us censor you. And um, and 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 as Cantor Freedom and I said, no. Uh, thank you very much. That's basically a non-rejection rejection. Nice try. Uh, but you know, their, their rejection is actually, uh, because now it's actually shown a spotlight on it because now we're going, uh, you know, uh, throughout the world and saying, here's the ad, the communist party, uh, and, and their spokesperson NBC didn't want you to see, uh, here's the message. All of these companies don't want you to know about. And, you know, it's resonating to your point. I mean, I heard, um, I heard from a person in my district who was at a diner, uh, and and uh, the patron next to them asked the waitress to turn on the Olympics, and another waitress said, "You know, uh, you know, ma'am, we don't we don't show the Olympics in this establishment. We don't support genocide." Uh, and that was a diner in North Florida. So I wow. think it's really sinking in. Um, but really, the the point of the ad at the end is, a lot of the left want to talk about defunding police and defunding this and that. You know things we actually need in this country. How about we focus on defunding dictatorships uh, and our greatest adversary? Uh, this is not just a, a human rights issue; it's a jobs issue, uh, but it's also a national security issue. Uh, the Chinese Navy is larger than ours now. The spa- their space force is launching more satellites than the U.S. and the rest of the world combined. And and the and the dictator in charge of all of it, Chairman Z is uh, openly talking about replacing the American dream with the China dream. Uh, so when we say at the end of the ad, you know, when you see Made in China, put it down. Uh, this is this has far more strategic ramifications for the future of our country. And I don't want our, you know, uh, my kids growing up in a world led by Chinese communists and their techno surveillance state. And when they're openly talking about turning off our pharmaceuticals, which they make 90 percent of, uh, turning off our rare earth minerals that run our modern economy, turning off all kinds of other supply chains that we've become solely dependent on them for, that all of these companies are complicit in, um, if unless we see the world uh, made, you know, or unless we see the world the way they do, uh, that's that's unacceptable. So uh, we have to have made in America, and you know, if that if if you know, we we need cheaper labor somewhere else uh, for a company to be competitive, how about Malaysia or India or you know uh, Vietnam even, but not uh, not in the backyard of our greatest adversary and not not um, made with modern day slavery, which is exactly what's going on. You know, Congressman Michael Waltz, you touched on also uh, the coronavirus. It is stunning um, that people are not saying let us in. That the world community is not saying let us in to yeah. China to at least investigate the Wuhan lab, at least even investigate the, the, you know, the wet market, investigate the caves, whatever it is, but at least look at everything so the world will know. Aren't you astounded? I'm completely astounded. And it's, uh, it's clear in the scientific community, number one, so that if the Chinese uh, Communist Party had not covered it up, had let the world know what was going on, had let 
uh, us know that it was spreading asymptomatically. Um, just even a month earlier, millions and millions of people would be alive today, uh, not to mention you know, everybody who's, who's been affected economically, uh, kids in schools, all of those pieces. Um, and, and then, you know, number two, which was finally declassified at the end of the, the Trump administration, uh, was that the, the Chinese army was in the Wuhan lab. Uh, it's also come out now uh, that uh, that lab applied to the U.S. Defense Department for a grant on how to manipulate a bat coronavirus. Uh, and and change the receptors uh, so that it was far more contagious. Now the Defense Department didn't grant, uh, didn't give that grant, but that's the type of research they were applying for. And and meanwhile, the U.S. scientific community uh, and virology community, led by Dr. Fauci, uh, the, one of the biggest proponents of gain of function research, uh, and all of these other scientists whose whose livelihoods depend on these grants. Uh, I think were are, are, have been complicit in this cover-up because they felt like their reputation and their and their grant monies were at stake. And on top of all of this, Rita, the Democrats in the House have had zero hearings on the origins of COVID. I know. Uh, so I got to tell you, when we get when we get back in charge, God help us in in, in ten months, uh, we are going to get to the bottom of it, and we are going to hold everyone accountable. Thank goodness, because the world deserves answers. Um, Congressman Michael Walt, stay with us if you could. When we come back, we want to talk with you about a stunning newly released Army report about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It is a bombshell. We'll be back right after the break on The Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment here on the Rita Cosby Show, two members of the Tufts University, which is in Massachusetts Police Department, recently received awards for their efforts last year that helped save the life of a worker who had been injured by an electrical arc explosion and had gone into cardiac arrest. It happened early one Friday morning uh, when somebody was working on a high-power electrical line on a road that intersects the campus, and that individual went into cardiac arrest following a power line incident. The work crew members flagged down a number of people with the university, they finally were able to reach out to two officers. And fortunately, they had been trained in using an automatic external defibrillator, an AED. And the machine was used to treat cardiac arrest. It basically restores a normal heart rhythm by sending an electric shock to the heart. And when those officers arrived, CPR was being done. They used that AED machine and they determined that an electrical shock was indeed needed, and they administered the defibrillator. The victim's heart began breathing again. He was transported to the area hospital for further treatment, and now is said to be doing okay. And for their efforts, those two officers received the life-saving award from the Massachusetts Association of Campus Law Enforcement Administrators. Bravo to them, and bravo always to our great men and women in blue. And, of course, we always love honoring our veterans here and all the great work of our active duty military. And one of the stories that just continues to just be confusing 
and befuddling and I think infuriating on so many levels is the withdrawal of Afghanistan. And tonight, just a few hours ago, they released a really powerful report, basically an army report. It was given through a Freedom of Information Act from The Washington Post. It wasn't like handed over. And what it essentially reveals is what I think many of us thought all along, that the Biden administration made the decision essentially hastily to withdraw from Afghanistan, that they basically didn't even listen to many of the military advisors suggesting that we keep Bagram Air Base, that we suggest that we keep troops there. And that at one point, an officer there overall said that, you know what, there's nothing we can do, basically, quote, but when the president makes a decision, it's time for us to execute the president's decision. In other words, the president said it's going to happen, and we have to live with that. And boy, is that a far cry from the message that President Biden was sending? Remember when he did this press conference in July, making it sound like everything's going to be fine, not to worry? The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. And we continue now talking with Congressman Michael Waltz, a former Green Beret, uh, talking with us now about this bombshell army report about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, basically showing that many military leaders were very frustrated with the politics of this all, and so much so Uh, Also, just how ill-prepared they were, there were reports that there were diplomatic staffers basically at the embassy intoxicated and cowering in a corner, praying and begging um, when people were coming to evacuate them. Um, Congressman Waltz, when you hear this, this is just it just shows what a political and military blunder this was. You know, it's infuriating. Uh, Many of this we already knew, but to actually see it in, you know, in writing and these released, you know, emails and other types of reports, um, you know, my my heart breaks for these 13 Gold Star families uh, whose loved ones, uh, you know, soldiers, uh, sailors and Marines should not have been trying to defend an airport sitting in Kabul in the middle of four million people and reliant on the Taliban on terrorists to screen for other terrorists. We now also know that the suicide bomber that killed them uh, was released from Bagram Prison, you know, the major air base there, just a few weeks before. Uh, so taking a step back, Rita, though, I think it's important that the military was clear that we needed to keep a fall, small footprint in Afghanistan of special operators, of intelligence folks, uh, to keep a lid on al-Qaeda and ISIS. They also advised uh, the Biden White House that if we pull the Afghan military's air support, intelligence support, maintenance support, and logistics support all out at once, they very likely could collapse. Uh, And even an independent inspector general was warning that the Afghan Air Force uh, couldn't continue if we just suddenly yanked away their maintenance support. Yet Biden did all of those things. Uh, he didn't listen to the Pentagon, uh, and and that you know that evidence is finally uh, coming out. Uh, I believe firmly he has blood on his hands, uh, along with the State Department. It is fundamentally un-American to leave fellow Americans behind. 
to abandon our allies and let terrorists dictate the terms. And he did all three of those things. Yeah, it is shocking, like you just said, you know, when you see some of these things. And there's a quote in here, um, Congressman Waltz, where it says an officer um, in the overall command basically said, yeah, there's another way to do this. But when the president makes a decision, it's time for us to execute the president's decision. In other words, showing that military felt so much pressure, they had no choice. Well, that, that, that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, we have civilian control uh, of the military. The, the president is the commander in chief, as incompetent as this one is. Uh, they gave their best military advice. They were ignored. Uh, I believe Biden came in, already decided what he wanted to do, left over from when he was vice president in the Obama administration and the debates uh, back then. Oh, by the way, he also pushed for the full withdrawal from Iraq, which then led to the rise of the ISIS caliphate and untold <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people dead all over the world, attacks all over Europe uh, and inspired attacks here in the United States. So it is just blunder after blunder. Uh, with this man. I think the military tried to do the best they could. Now, I think it's a a valid question at some point as a senior officer, do you put your rank on the table uh, and say, um, you know, I know this is wrong. I know this is going to result in in dead soldiers and Marines, uh, and I'm not going to move forward. But uh, at the end of the day, this was Joe Biden. Uh, He said the buck stops with him. And he said just most recently, he makes no apologies. Um, and, you know, I, I think those Afghan women and girls deserve apology. Those Gold Star families deserve an apology. And those future American soldiers that are going to have to go back and deal with this mess when Al Qaeda and ISIS come after us again uh, are going to deserve one, too. Absolutely. And uh, and finally, um, Congressman Waltz, don't you believe also that the I, you look at the polls? I mean, Clearly, President Biden dropped in the polls right after Afghanistan. I think so many people, not just Republicans, I think independents, even Democrats, really yeah. were just just so dismayed by what they saw, how it was handled. I think the report just validates it. But I think that that will have a lasting impact on this presidency, I think a stain on this presidency. And I also think it just shows incredible weakness. The more we hear about it that he left, That's I just right. think— I, I think it's the repercussions we will see, I think, also uh, come election time in November, don't you? Well, so, it, you know, you're right. I mean, the polls really took, and I think the the American people's perception that they saw Biden for what he is, right? It undercut uh, the, the two main arguments he made in his non-campaign in, in 2020 from his basement. That was one of uh, uh, compassion. Uh, that was one of competence. Right. And the foreign policy and the governing professionals were, you know, the adults in the room argument. Uh, and I haven't seen anything more heartless uh, than than people so desperate uh, that they're clinging to the side of a plane and, and, and falling from it. Uh, the way he just turned his back on on our fellow Americans and then lied about it, saying there were only 100 that, that wanted to leave as though all those other people didn't want to leave. Uh, and and the confidence factor and just, you know, I mean, how many how many everyday Americans that I talked to that said, you know, their their uh, their teenager could have planned a better operation than that. So I think it undercut all of those things. You're right. It'll be felt in the ballot box. But sadly, I think it's going to also be felt around the world in terms of American credibility, uh, in terms of our allies and what we're seeing in terms of our adversaries 
uh, with Putin on the march, uh, the Ayatollahs in Iran racing towards a nuclear weapon, which is going to set off a nuclear arms race in the Middle East, uh, and uh, and Z watching all of it, uh, and 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 making you know hugely threatening gestures uh, uh, towards Taiwan. Uh, so I think the ramifications are sadly going to be felt way beyond the ballot box politically. Yeah, I do, too, sadly, as you said. Well, Congressman Michael Waltz, always great to get your perspective on all these things. And again, thank you so much for your service to our country as a Green Beret. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. We'll keep up the fight. Yes, you will. I know you will. And and we'll do whatever we can to help you. Thank you, Congressman. All right. And great to hear Congressman Michael Waltz. Boy, uh, explosive stuff. Between Congressman Michael Waltz talking about, quote, the genocide Olympics, the genocide games, and also responding to this Pentagon reveal. This is coming through an Army report basically saying that that withdrawal was disastrous, that planners wanted to stay at Bagram and also at other locations as well. And then decided, you know what? Oh, we just can't handle uh, both of them. We don't have enough troops. And when they finally kind of got their act together, they got to the embassy And they were literally cowering in their rooms for fear of being attacked by the Taliban. If that is not a very different picture than this administration tried to portray, I don't know what is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Tommy, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. How are you? Hi, good evening, Rita. Um, Being an Iraq veteran, it really pissed me off that any president would make uh, such an asinine decision to leave Afghanistan the way we did. And I cannot understand how our chiefs of staff would go along with this without yeah. a fight, you know? It, you know what? You bring up a great point because it is hard. He is the, quote, commander-in-chief. So it is tough in that regard to go up against the, quote, commander-in-chief. Um, but, and they did, by the way, under oath. Remember when they were called under oath? They did admit under oath that, indeed, um, they had advised him to keep troops, at least in Bagram, um, also to keep the 2,300 troops overall. Remember, they were unhappy about it, but they were under oath. They had to say it. They had to say what they advised the president. Um, And I guess they could have maybe quit. And you know what? Maybe some people might have even in the military. Um, And you're right. I wish they had spoken out a little bit. They probably would no longer be in their positions if they were. But I actually wish some of them had spoken out as opposed to having to be forced to testify to finally tell what really happened. Um, it is it is it's really disappointing, Tommy. And you know what? I always felt that there was no way that these military leaders would say, hey, pull out a Bagram and don't leave any troops and have this kind of hasty, terrible withdrawal that now we know really cost the lives of 13 American servicemen. I mean, it was so poorly done. And by the way, the other thing, and and Michael Waltz just brought that up in the conversation that we just had, that also, remember, they opened up that jail when they left Bagram. They left Bagram so hastily. You know, that, that, that sign of, like, everybody clinging onto the planes, that's basically the way they left Bagram, you know, remember? Without even, they left it even more high and dry. And they left the prisons full. And when they left the prisons full, the Taliban came and opened up the prisons. And those were the worst of the worst guys almost around the world. And guess what? One of them was now, they admitted just a few days ago, was the guy who put off that bomb, that single bomb that killed 13 American servicemen outside of Abbey Gate. 
So, so I mean, I don't know. They're just blunder after blunder. And you know what's amazing to me, Tommy? No one has been held responsible. Isn't that shocking, Tommy? Nobody it is has been. Totally shocking. I don't, just don't understand how we, as our country, such a great country, could have done this. And our, I, I really feel that regardless under oath or anything like that, they should have fought harder. They should have not done it and, and or just totally negated the, the whole situation. I really, really feel that the way we did things and, and the way we're doing things now, it just seems so so bizarro land is what I heard. Yeah, I agree. I 1,000% agree with you. Tommy, thank you so much for the call. And thank you for your service and your family service. Let's go to JC in East Stroudsburg, PA. JC, outrageous. Nobody has been held responsible for Afghanistan. And I want to read again from this report. This this is an Army report that when they came into the rooms of the embassy, that there was such a meltdown that they were so ill-prepared that the staff was, quote, intoxicated and cowering in their rooms. I mean, that's talk about us leaving with the tail between our legs, JC. Uh, it's unbelievable. I, I want to get back to your original question, but first on Afghanistan. So what we've done is we, we've taken, we have now an upside-down pyramid. And just picture this, Rita. Okay, so when you're strong, as we were previously with Trump, the security and the strength and whatever else that's holding us together is wide at the bottom. And the pinnacle is the fear and the threat is thin. But what we've done is taken that 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 moment in Afghanistan, that is our pinnacle. And what we've done is widened this upside down pyramid and we've given given the strength to our enemy, Russia, Iran and China. And now they have the width of it. So a lot of what we're not thinking about, too, is what happened in in uh, in Afghanistan is a threat, is a direct movement of Putin into the Ukraine. Now, think of this. If we were still in Afghanistan, we'd have troops in Afghanistan. We'd have an army base. We'd have an aircraft. We'd have missiles. We'd have close range to the Russians. They would not have pulled this this crap with Ukraine because we would have had the upper strength. You know what, JC? JC, that is a brilliant, brilliant point. Because you're right, we would have many more troops, you know, in the area. We would have many more, you know, facilities, military men and women, intel as well. Um, it's a great, great point. And you're right, it has put us at such a tremendous detriment. And when you see this report, it just accents that they were lying to us all along. I mean, the president literally sitting there saying, oh, we're not going to be airlifting people. No, you're right. Uh, we were airlifting beyond airlifting. They were cowering in the corner. You had to pull them out because they were crying and weeping in the corner. Can you imagine how embarrassing that that this is the way we left? This is the greatest power in the world. And you had State Department officials drunk and crying and cowering in the corner, pleading because you know what? They were looking at it. Do you ever see that movie Argon? Remember where they were like begging to try to get out and they were surrounded? You know what I mean? Argo. Argo. I remember with them. Um, uh, ben Affleck and others, and I remember they were trying to get them out, and you could see them panicking and, and getting rid of everything, and then some getting held at gun. That was the scene, and it's even worse because they were like crying and weeping in the background. I mean, this is like unbelievable. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls about this, everybody. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two, and you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. 
you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We just had a really powerful interview with Congressman Michael Waltz talking, of course, about this devastating report showing that we were cowering and basically in the State Department uh, briefing rooms concerned, saying, hey, what's going on, you know? And then we're hearing about the cowering, as I was mentioning, and intoxicated individuals who were there in the embassy. Can you imagine being in the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Kabul, at the height of this all, when now suddenly the Taliban has instantly taken over, instantly overrun that country, and suddenly you realize, I got to get out of here, and the president is trying to pretend like, oh, everything's fine. And now we are finding out from a 2,000-page report that says that planners were unable to quickly react to conditions on the ground, what they could have done had they kept more than 2,500 troops on the ground, which is what the military advisors wanted to do. And so can you imagine these State Department officials, these embassy workers in Kabul, suddenly knowing that they have somehow had got to get out of there, and when they finally got to them at the embassy, because it was very difficult, they were cowering in their rooms and they were intoxicated. It is unbelievable. Let's go to Jim in Virginia. Jim, your thoughts real quick. Hi, Di Rita. Good to talk to you. Just a couple of observations. Well, an observation and. Uh, yep, real quick, off. Jim. Yep, real quick. Yeah. The observation is that Joe Biden has never done anything in the way of work in the private sector or anywhere else where he was held and, and had to think about consequences, held to, to any consequences for uh, a bad decision or able to think through a decision. The other thing is, on a Sunday broadcast in an interview of a congresswoman. Um, okay, Jim, Jim, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have a hard break. But you are absolutely right about Joe Biden and the fact that he has never been, first of all, I think held accountable for his terrible decisions. Nobody's been held accountable. And they were crying and weeping in the embassy in Kabul waiting for safety. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are bringing in our newsman, Bob Brown, now because some big news coming out of the state of New York from the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, who's been pretty much leading the way on a lot of these mask mandates, but a big development in the last few hours. Bob, uh, Governor Hochul kind of lifting it semi, right? Explain this. Well, this this, uh, this came over a couple of hours ago now. Governor Kathy Hochul is lifting New York's statewide mask mandate, uh, letting the regulation expire this week. I believe it expires on Thursday. I'm not too sure. Uh, This means masks are no longer mandated in places such as supermarkets, pharmacies, laundromats. You were asking me earlier about restaurants. I'm not too sure about that. That might be a gray area. Uh, This applies only in venues that aren't required to screen for proof of vaccination. And mask mandates, this is important, are still in place for schools, mass transit, and hospitals right now. I'll I'll underline schools because that's been the big story right now is trying to the uh, controversy over masks in schools around the country. 
Now, what again about restaurants? Explain I the difference. Well, we yeah, were we talking know, about right? that earlier. We don't know. That's that's one of those gray areas. I guess that's as time goes by tomorrow, I'm sure it will be more defined about restaurants. I, I, I We were saying that I, restaurants pretty much take the initiative, in my experience, of checking for proof of vaccination. So, again, I think maybe that goes under this heading where it says, Masks are long, long, uh, when it says here, only in venues that aren't required to screen for proof of vaccination. Well, if the restaurant decides they want to screen, they can continue to screen. And in my in my experience here in the city, um, I'd say a good 80% of the restaurants I've been to want to see proof of vaccination. I don't know about you. So yeah, I was going to say that can still continue for sure. And by the way, I mean, you've even seen these stories of like the police going in and arresting people who yeah, leave. right in those you was know? the IHOP or was it a Burger King out in Queens, something like that. Yeah, right? there no, there was a big fight. Yeah, no. Yeah, there it yeah. was going to blows. It, got, it was going to blows. Absolutely. So yeah, it can, it can get out of hand. Absolutely. That's the. Uh, side of all this. And Bob, let me ask you about um, some of the other states, because um, some of the other states have already signaled um, lots of news on like sort of these mask liftings of some other neighboring states uh, right. to New York. So give us the lowdown well, we, on that. We, we have Connecticut and New Jersey and Connecticut at the end of the month is going to drop mask mandates for school children. Uh, New Jersey Governor Murphy is going to drop it in March. And I believe here in Oregon and Delaware, they are announcing plans to lift the mask mandates in schools. So, Bob, so, what about Biden? The so big what question. About Biden? What about the president? What about Biden? What, yeah, that sounds like a new book title, well, right? The, the president, he's, he's no doubt under pressure right now. Just as Hochul has been under pressure, but more on, you know, on the presidential level. Uh, there's, there's calls for normalcy from COVID-19 after, you know, after these states are now getting rid of the mandate. So, okay, he's seeing all these states going this way. So now, we, again, he's feeling the pressure. Uh, we don't know what he's going to do. I mean, is he going to lift it? Is he going to lift it tomorrow? Or as you said earlier, on his State of the Union address, March 1st, is it going to be a surprise announcement tying in with March? Well, March, it's going to be lifted in New Jersey. So and that's a possibility. Will he do it? I don't know. I, I guess eventually. I don't know, but I think the official White House stance right now, Jen Psaki was saying earlier today, is they are against lifting masks for schools as of right now. I believe that's what Jen Psaki was saying um, earlier today about that. Yeah, or really interesting. Anyway, that was That's the White House stance. Yeah, it seems like they're still obviously on schools. Um, a lot of people are obviously debating that, too, and talking about what's been going on. It's interesting, Bob, because on Biden's front um, – even if he comes out, say he comes out on, you know, State of the Union night on, on March 1st, by that time, a lot of these governors and including these are liberal Democratic right. governors, the, the too. Four, the four states I mentioned yes. are Democrat, uh, Democratic states. He'll be behind the right. curve, right. you yeah, know, no matter what it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not ahead of the curve. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not. Bob Brown, thank you so much. Anytime, Our great Rita, newsman. Sure. Thank you. Wonderful to have you here tonight. We really appreciate it. Everybody, what are your thoughts about these mask mandates? And what are your thoughts about Kathy Hochul, as Bob Brown was just saying, kind of trying to have it both ways, trying to kind of parse and thread the needle, as Bob was saying, you know, okay, not with schools, but now supermarkets, laundromats. It's so confusing. It's like, okay, am I allowed to come in here with a mask? Does my child need to come in here with a mask? Do they not? How do you read it? It's very, very, very confusing. And also, what are your thoughts about the fact that here we are so long into this and we still don't know 
about the origins of the coronavirus. We don't know definitively. We've been hearing in the last few days from Republicans who have come out and said that they, if they take power, and they're hoping that they can get the House and the Senate, it's a narrow margin. Most people think they'll get the House. It's very close. I think they're going to do well in November in the midterms for sure because people are fed up with all these mask mandates that we were just talking with Bob about and vaccine mandates and all that other stuff. And yet that border is wide open in the middle of all this, too. Let's not forget about that. We still have to have kids in schools in America and most schools around the country wear a mask. And yet that border is like, come on in, wide open, no problem there. And thank goodness the Republicans at least are saying, let's get to the bottom of this. If they can have power, if they can have the Senate or the House, and they're hoping they can have both, then they will absolutely push to have hearings and investigations on the origins of the coronavirus. Thank goodness, because that is so, so important. And of course, this comes as right now so many people are saying, you know what? We should be boycotting the Olympics in Beijing. Why should we be honoring Beijing with their horrible, horrible record in terms of the coronavirus, their horrible record on human rights? And even White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who Bob was just mentioning a little bit ago, was asked about human rights in China during the White House briefing. And this is what she had to say. China used a young Uyghur athlete to carry the Olympic torch during the opening ceremony of the Games in Beijing. What did the administration make of that, given the ongoing genocide against Uyghurs in Xinjiang? Well, I know that our U.N. Ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, spoke to this yesterday. So let me reiterate what I thought were some very powerful comments, if I'm remembering. I know someone spoke to it, but I believe it was her, um, that we can't allow this to be a distraction. Um, from uh, exactly as you said, uh, the human rights abuses, uh, the genocide that we're seeing in parts of China. That is why we did not send a diplomatic delegation, even as we're cheering for our U.S. athletes. Diplomacy is complicated, as we know, uh, but we can't allow it to be a distraction from what we know is happening to many people uh, in China. So why are you not speaking out about it? Why are you not saying, hey, you have shame on NBC, shame on the sponsors, You know, now they're finally sort of tepidly saying something. And remember the message from Nancy Pelosi, major Democrat, you know, House Speaker, probably one of the most powerful Democrats out there by far. Basically, athletes go over there and just shut up. Don't say anything. Just go over there and just be good little boys and girls and then just come on home and hopefully you had a good time. You know, I mean, what kind of a message of leadership is that? What about the message? Imagine if President Donald Trump was president right now. He would come out and say, don't you dare touch one hair on one of our American athletes. Or, you know, we'll send you over the Great Wall. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bobby in Queens. Bobby, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Bob. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I heard today that the athletes ain't being fed. And one girl was so malnourished, she could see her bones through her skin. And I'm very upset. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Also, I, you know, Bob, by the way, and, and I'll let you finish, Bob. You know, the one thing you you reminded me of a very powerful sight because um, I remember seeing it's a Russian athlete. There was a Russian female athlete who was talking about how upset she was that she, like, showed the food that she got, took pictures of the food. And it's like, I, I mean, 
you know, I, I'd probably lose 30 pounds. I think the average person would lose 30 pounds if they were over there for as many of the time that they are over there. You look at it, you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's like a dot. Like, you almost need a microscope to see the food that they're feeding them. And you have to wonder, are they doing that so they don't have as much strength to go over there and compete? Like, like I wouldn't put anything past these guys. What do you think, Bob? I don't understand how we're not supplying them with our own food from here. Why isn't our food that the food that these people like is not being brought over there? If I was going there, devil dogs, you know, stuff, good stuff. I'd bring all the good stuff over. But well, you know not- what? You know what it is? First of all, they don't want you to. Some of them did bring food over. And there was even a story about someone who brought food and the Chinese were not happy because they said uh, it wasn't like screened. It wasn't sanctioned. I mean, these people are control freaks. Yes, they are. Uh, the other thing is uh, we have to take control of our country, and the only way to do that is with the money. Everyone has to take all the, their taxes for the city, the state, the federal, the sales tax. We've got to hold it up for about a month or three. We have to give it to lawyers and accountants and accountants to watch them people to make sure everything's only up and up and just put it all in escrow. And hold it for two or three months. And when them coffers are empty and they can't pay for their own security guards, trust me, they'll turn their heads around and they'll turn everything around. Good yeah, point. The only way after you have to pull the money back. Trust me, money is everything to them. Absolutely. By the way, you're right. You're right. Money talks with those people. Absolutely. Let's go to Aaron in Queens. Aaron, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Aaron. Hi, Rita. I'm a big fan. I'm 15 years old. And I wanted to know... What's your take on the fact that magically all the Democratic governors are lifting the mask mandates one week after the State of the Union address while no new studies or science or data came out? I think by the State of the Union address, Brandon, I mean Biden, will claim he shut down the virus and then magically one week after the mandates will be lifted. Wait, wait, Aaron, so you're 15 and you already know about Brandon versus Biden? That's, That's impressive. Of course. Wow. Aaron, first of all, I just want to say that's a great question. You are amazing and you are brilliant beyond your years, first of all. Um, And I think, obviously, it's interesting because I think personally, and I was talking with Bob Brown about this, too, that I think that Biden would have loved to have preempted them. But I think some of these states are just going, this is so bad. They're hearing from their constituents. They're hearing from their residents and their residents are just so fed up. And they're probably getting so many emails and so many calls and they're so bombarded by people on the street that they have no choice just to see that, hey, the facts are the facts. And and there was a new study, Aaron, that just came out, Johns Hopkins, where it basically showed that masks are doing more harm than good, that it really didn't save a lot of lives, that, that in terms of especially the lockdowns, I should say, rather, the, the Johns Hopkins was more on the lockdowns itself. Um, but it had other layers to it as well. And all of those things are basically giving information to say that it is time to at least slowly start doing this. And I think all of them have really no choice. Um, and I'm sure the White House, actually, Aaron, probably doesn't like it because I think probably President Biden would have liked to be the person breaking that news and leading the charge. But sadly, Brandon, as you call him, Brandon, as many people have called him, um, feel like it's sort of par for the course that he's sort of leading from behind. And this is another example. And Aaron, I love that you called. Thank you very much. I hope that all 15 years old 
folks are as brilliant as you are. Thanks so much. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. We are talking about the fact that Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, saying, you know what? She's sort of going to lift the mask mandate. Basically, not for schools, but laundromats, some other one. She's kind of tiptoeing on it. And also, I want to hear your thoughts on that and your thoughts on putting pressure on China, the GOP promising that if they get in during the midterms, which is a few months away now, that they will push for an investigation of the Wuhan lab. What do you think this is going to come up with? I think some bombshells. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are rocking out here on the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the semi-lifting of the mask mandate now in New York. Connecticut is happening. You also heard about in Oregon, also New Jersey. So where is Joe Biden? He's like at the back of the pack. As you just heard, I was telling one of the callers, he is, again, leading from behind. I don't even know if he realizes that some people have been lifting their mask mandates because they are way ahead of them. And these are liberal Democrats. It just shows how bad it is and how fed up people are. And people are saying, you know what? This has just been a mess, and clearly the governors are hearing it, but somehow this president isn't. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ernest in Monroe, New York. Ernest, we're talking about that, and obviously China and the coronavirus, because Republicans are saying if they get into power in November, they will immediately call for an investigation of the Wuhan lab. Go ahead, Ernest. Hello. I, I strongly believe that the, the origin of the virus was a biological political warfare. And, 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 and because it helped get Trump out of office, I strongly believe that parts of the Democrat Party were complicit because today, as far as they're concerned, it was party before government, you know, and, and it served both parties, their best interest to get Trump out of office. So millions of people died. Chinese don't care. Democrat Party's like, well, we got, we will have our president in. So it's a win-win. And then they, then they use the virus to usurp the Constitution, take away our rights, make people take vaccines they don't want, make them wear masks and that they don't want. And now they're fighting back against the mask because it's showing in the polls. And they know the midterms can be a bloodbath, and that's why they're releasing this mask mandates to make it look like all of a sudden Joe Biden is going to be the man to save the day when it's nothing but, nothing but nonsense. Yeah. By the way, Ernest, you make some great points in terms of the politics of it all, because you're right. It's not like there's some new science or new information. The thing that's new is they're seeing the polls and they are in trouble. Let's go to Norman, if we could, in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Norm. Yeah, hi, Rita. Uh, two points. Uh, my message to your callers is hold on to your masks, because Hochul is going to hold these mandates over your head for the next COVID variety, which is just around the corner. Oh, my um, God, Norm. Oh, yeah. I pray you're wrong, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, uh, Norman, we all thought we were finally seeing the light, the end of the tunnel, baby. Yeah. 
Right. Well, my second point is tomorrow, we, the New York Freedom Rally, will be holding a rally to support our NYPD police and sergeants who are scheduled to be terminated in the near future over not taking the vaccine. By the way, so hey, tomorrow, Norm, hey, Norm, real mm-hmm. quick, what when are they? What's that deadline for them for that happening? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the deadline is, but tomorrow, I think it's sergeant, Friday. Yeah. Tomorrow, Sergeant's Benevolent Association. 155 Franklin Street, Manhattan, at 12 noon. Bravo, Norman. Bravo, bravo. You keep up that great fight. When we come back, more injection sites across the country with rising crime. Are you kidding me? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Hero segment on the Rita Cosby Show, I love doing this segment every night because I feel like it honors the best of America. And maybe you should be thinking of a special thing. I hope you do on February 17th because February 17th, 2022 is now officially Herman S. Chalker Day. I love that. And that is because the Lufkin, Texas County Commissioners approved a proclamation today honoring the World War II veteran. Chalker was born on February 17, 1922, so it's appropriate that they pick that day because he will turn 100 on that day. He served in the Navy in Japan, and after the war, he bought the Bove Sewing Company. Then he owned it until he retired in 1980. He still attends church weekly, and he enjoys going to the Senior Citizen Center. And I know that on February 17th, I will be thinking of Herman S. Chalker and obviously so many of the greatest generation. Well, you know, I think about how important it is, uh, the sacrifice of our veterans to have a great free country. And I also think how much they love us and always defend us and protect our country. And boy, I think what a mess things are in right now, especially crime across the United States. And if you look at some of the latest crime numbers, overall in many of the major cities, there is at least a 30% increase in crime in most of the major big cities across America on a variety of things. Some of the numbers are even bigger in New York, Uh, Grand Theft Auto, over 90% increase year-to-date. Overall crime, by the way, in like New York, for example, New York City, 38%. I mean, it's an enormous amount of an increase in crime. And that's been going on for the last few years, as you guys have seen, with all of this defund of the police rhetoric, with all of the riots, everything else, the economy, all these things, we have seen just a massive increase of crime in so many major cities across the country where we all live. And I was always shocked that, like, in places like, New, you know, New York and in San Francisco, they were opening up these, quote, safe injection sites, basically to go shoot up and be monitored and watched when you do it, getting the drugs often from them. So that if they needed Narcan or they needed something to help them afterwards, they would at least have some facilities to help them. But allowing them to shoot up right in front of them, it's a legal, safe injection site. What could go wrong with that? Especially at a time where crime is booming and skyrocketing. To me, this is outrageous. 
that this even happened. And in fact, under the Trump administration, they actually took a number of places to court, including one that was supposed to be set up in Philadelphia. They were fighting against it. Well, in New York City, they were able to go forward with it. And that is stunning. They have two locations. And when it was coming open, I couldn't believe this. The people, there were some people that were associated with it that said, oh, this is such a great idea. How wonderful to have junkies and drug dealers and everybody hanging out in their place. Wouldn't you want them as your neighbor? Give me a break. Are you kidding me? But take a listen to one of the program directors for one of these safe injection sites talking about the pluses of this program. We're going to see less public drug use, less improperly discarded syringes in the streets, and less death. And here is another person who said this is important to have. I understand uh, both communities if they're concerned that, you know, we opened here. uh, If they're concerned about people coming from other areas, I totally respect that. We know that the crisis is is a city crisis. You know, we know that there's not a war on drugs, there's a war on drug users. So, and the crisis is huge. Well, there is a war on drugs, actually. And guess what? There should be a major war on drugs as well, because right now, fentanyl, which is coming from that open southern border, is the leading cause of death among Americans age 18 to 45. And so you're going to make it easier for junkies to be able to do this? Well, now I was stunned. First, they had the sites there. They had the sites in San Francisco and a few other places. Guess what? Both of those locations are like hell in a handbasket. It's like open territory. San Francisco, it's like a major encampment where they're like basically all shooting up. And, you know, you think that that's like people want to come there. Tourists want to come there. Rising crime. And then it's like junkies everywhere. There's enough needles in some of these major cities. If you walk in some of the major sidewalks, you don't need to give them invitations. That's my feeling. And so I can't believe that now the Department of Justice that came out today is seriously considering safe injection sites in numerous cities across America coming to a city near you. If you don't think that things are bad enough in certain parts of America already, especially some of these urban centers where things are a disaster, can you imagine that now this Department of Justice doesn't think there's basically anything wrong with more shoot-up injection sites, quote, safe injection sites. I don't think it's safe for the neighbors. I don't even think it's safe for the junkies because you're just kind of feeding their habit. You don't hear anything basically about them trying to wean them off. They're just making sure that the injections are safe. So don't you think that's going to draw in gang members? Don't you think that's going to draw in drug dealers? Don't you think you're going to have more of those encampments like they're seeing in San Francisco? You think that that is the right thing to do at a time where crime is escalating against the country? When I saw this headline, I almost like had to rub my eyes and go, is this correct? Like, surely somebody couldn't be this stupid at this point to come up with it. But the Biden administration thinks it's a great idea. So what are your thoughts, everybody, on this? Do you agree with me that this is utterly irresponsible? You are giving drugs to the druggies? You're inciting them, I think, to do more, and you're creating basically crime areas around these places. Don't you think, like, drug dealers and people who want the drugs are going to be hanging out in those areas? And you think it's just going to be drugs that are suddenly going to be showing up there? Not, like, more crime and more problems at a time like this? Are you kidding me? It's one 800 
This is Joe Grimaldi. He is with the Fraternal Order of Police. And he was as stunned as I was when he heard this news from the Biden Department of Justice. And now the Biden administration is rolling out injection sites. Just how out of touch are they with the American people? Just look at our urban communities right now. We are seeing urban decay in real time. Look no further than 16 American cities having their highest murder rate ever last year. You add on top of that crime and disorder everywhere. People are moving out in droves. Businesses are clothing, closing. And opening up injection sites is only going to exacerbate that problem. Yeah, it certainly is. And this is from a guy who's head of the Fraternal Order of Police. And then he had a message. You know what? Why don't we send those sites to the politicians who are pushing them? Take a listen. But here's an idea. Instead of just opening these injection sites, why don't you open it up for the people to vote whether or not they want that in their neighborhood and see if people want those in their communities? Or better yet, why don't we just set up a safe injection site on the White House lawn or right in front of AOC's apartment building, then see how quickly you really want those injection sites in your backyard? Yeah, would you want an injection site in your backyard? Are you kidding me? one 800 848 Let's go to Mark in Staten Island. Mark, can you believe that the Department of Justice, it's like, I I cannot, it's almost unfathomable at a time where crime is skyrocketing in urban centers Mm -hmm. that they want to increase these safe injection sites and make it easier for junkies to junk up. What do you think, Mark? I believe it. I I believe it. Because everything the Biden administration is doing is deliberate. They're not blundering. They're not making mistakes. They're doing it deliberately. It's part of the worldwide communist revolution. It's been going on for decades. This drug thing has been going on since the 60s. They've been wasting the brains of our youth. And that's how they're they're, they're attacking us. There's another way they attack us. How scary is that, Mark? Don't you think it's absolutely frightening that that and I agree with you because to me there is there is no way that anybody with half a brain would say, oh, this sounds like a great idea. Crime is escalating and so many 16 cities have had record homicide rates, you know, major cities across America. Why don't we just add injection sites all over them, too, as well? I I mean, who in their right mind would ever think that that would be the right time at any moment, but especially at a time where crime is skyrocketing? It's a great idea if you want to destroy a country. Sadly. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, very sad. Uh, that's what they're doing. Really sad. Uh, Mark, thank you. Great points. Thank you very much. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Eric, can you believe that they are thinking of this? <laughs> oh, this is stunning. Really? I, I mean, it, it I'm shocked. Worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. Well, they had already it was, it was they had already started opening this is a few months ago. Well, I think it's like it's it's uh, right up the hill in, in Washington Heights. I'm in Washington Heights and Inwood. So I'm right right in the middle. Um, and it's already, it's already a crime-infested neighborhood with drugs. So it's going to bring in more dealers when they hear – it's like a, a beacon. It's going to bring in more dealers right there, and they're going to be competing dealers, obviously, and they're going to be more shootouts. You know, So, yeah, it's just great. It's just great. Oh, and that first day, the very first day they opened uh, in Harlem, uh, there, were, there were deaths at that site from over, overdoses. I That's right. There were four. reports about yeah. overdoses, multiple yeah. overdoses that occurred. And, and did you hear about the, the crack pipes? Yes. Today? Yes. I, well, I was hoping it was a joke. It, ha- it cannot be. There has to be some joke in it. Well, it's a, the joke. The joke's on us, Rita. I mean, you know, that, that's that's it. That's 
forget the black the black support for the Democrats. They lost the minimum the minimum number they need uh, to win the White House. That was and that was sometime last year. That was after you know Trump's first win, obviously. But this when it gets back to them, uh, you know, and circulates, they, they're gonna hit the roof, and and that's it. They, they're gonna be done with the. It's ridiculous. I mean, and the racism inherent there, like oh, for equity. Uh, really? So, so equity. You're gonna get our free crack wipes, and and that's gonna help non-white communities. That's gonna help. It's just uh, someone has someone there's laughing because they can't all be this out of it. They can't all be. Well, this, that's uh, and just like you said too. I mean, the other program that you brought up, by the way, you're right that there are reports that the Department of Health is considering uh, distributing um, tax with taxpayer money. By the way, our money, crack pipes to drug addicts thinking that that's going to help them. I mean, is there any way that you can see this being realistic and, and appropriate, Michael? <laughs> Eric, sorry, Eric, go ahead, Eric. Okay. Can you hear me? Oh, no, no. Um, the company I was giving out the news and running these sites is called On Point. I thought, is that some kind of joke? Is that supposed to be like, some, uh, get it, On Point? It's like everything. everything's a joke. There's doing so much stuff right in your face. You know what I mean? It's scary, but... That's all I have to say. You know, and they didn't tell. They didn't warn the neighborhood about it either. They didn't warn the neighborhood about the shooting sites. You know, so it's like encouraging it. Yeah, that's right. They just showed up. Absolutely, Eric. Thank you very much. Let's go to Michael in Nutley. Sorry, Michael. I was calling you there before. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Rita, crack pipes, I heard about that news story, too, and needles given for free by the Biden administration. It's getting crazy out there. You, Democrat, you Democrats also cannot even ride a public bus without putting your lives on the line. All you Democrat Party voters decide to, in the last elections, to roll the dice and vote back an extremely soft-on-crime Democrat Party career politicians. You got what you voted for. You only have yourselves to blame. You Democrats all lost the gamble. Remember that shooting this past Sunday at 2.15 in the afternoon on Lexington? and 125th Street, some bozo just shot up an M1 bus? I mean, really, do you even feel safe walking the streets of Manhattan anymore? These Democrats have made it a landmine just walking the streets of, of your city. They're, they're truly out of control. I mean, it's like they're making a mockery out of us. They're, they're making fun of us American law-abiding citizens, us taxpayers. What is it going to take for the American people to rise up against these Democrats, these career politicians who really don't care about us? They care a lot more about the, the career criminal. It, it, they're just completely out of control. Like, think about it, Rita. You're riding on an M1 bus down, a, down Lexington Avenue, 125th Street, and it gets shot up by eight boats from a Glock 9 at 2.15 on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, I know. Out. That and was outrageous. And luckily, nobody was injured on the bus, but you're right. Think about that. It, it, and, and then we're going to add to that climate, Michael. Now we're going to add more injection sites. Now we're going to add crack pipes. And we have already got this random crime, like you're talking about, the shooting of you know the bus, uh, people being pushed you know into the subway, um, in Los Angeles, there was a girl who was stabbed in the furniture store. Um, just these random crimes that are happening across the country, all over in major cities across the country. And then you're going to add injection sites to this cauldron. I, it is shocking. I, I agree with you, Michael. These people, they have they must have a, had a lobotomy or something. I mean, it's just it is unfathomable that for some reason they just want to, like, fuel the flames. Oh, it's not it's not downhill enough. What else can we do? I, I mean, to me, it, it's unfathomable. I never thought in my lifetime that the U.S. government will be sponsoring injection sites and crack pipes. 
Uh, did you ever think that, guys? one 800 We're going to take your calls about what the Biden administration's doing in this regard. This is shocking. It's the Rita Cosby Show. You heard it right here on the Rita Cosby Show. The Biden administration is reportedly considering safe injection sites to basically allow junkies to shoot up, and they will be also helping to supply what they are shooting up with. They're going to be monitoring them. And you don't think that this is the absolute wrong move at a time where crime is skyrocketing? To me, this is unbelievable. And it comes at a time where, you know, even some Democratic mayors sort of tried to sound like they were talking tough. Remember London Breed in San Francisco? Crime was so bad there. This is one of those defunders. And she sounded like she was changing her tune a little bit. Take a listen to what she said in December when some of the crime statistics were just skyrocketing. This is Mayor London Breed back in December talking about getting tough on crime. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bullshit that has destroyed our city. So, boy, that sounded kind of impressive from a woman, again, who was a big defund the policer. But then guess what? Right now in San Francisco, there are some of these injection sites. And it's basically become a big campground for druggies and homeless. It's this huge area where they've actually been doing it, you know, shooting up and tons of crime and tons of other problems. And so reporters go back to London Breed and asked her. And guess what she said this week? Well, we have to fight some battles. This isn't really a battle we're going to fight. Are you kidding me? You tried to just tell us in December that you were finally having some epiphany about supporting police and getting tough on crime. And meanwhile, you've got a huge shooting up junkie center basically right in the heart of San Francisco. And she's not going to really fight that battle. She doesn't want to move the junkies out. And now we're hearing from the Department of Justice that they're planning on setting up these sites in many cities across America. How out of whack are you? Well, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis from New York said the Biden administration needs to focus its efforts on the southern border and clean up the streets of America. I think instead we should be focused on long term treatment. Uh, We should also be stopping the problem at its core, which means that we should be going after the supply. Uh, We have a major issue right now where fentanyl is streaming over our southern border. Um, This is part of, you know, the open borders policy. The drug cartels are actually overrunning our Custom and Border Patrol agents, and that is a major problem. And DEA is saying that 80 percent of the fentanyl is streaming over our border, so we need to secure our border. Yeah, we need to secure our border. And guess what? We can't even secure our streets. With this Department of Justice inviting drug addicts to shoot up, making them, quote, safe sites, you don't think that that's going to be a safe haven more than it already is in some of the few sites that are there? If you're looking at the track record, it ain't a pretty one. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ralph in Virginia. Ralph, your thoughts about this? Well, I think it's ridiculous that they're doing this. They're they're setting up places to where 
drug addicts can go and, and supposedly safely inject drugs, why don't we try getting the drugs out of the country instead of setting up places where people can go do them? I, I agree, Ralph, 1,000%. You are 1,000% correct. Let's go to Mark in Westchester. Mark, your thoughts real quick. Yes, lovely reader, very quick. My younger brother died of a heroin overdose in oh, a my McDonald's goodness. bathroom. Uh, in a McDonald's bathroom in the Bronx. Oh, my My thoughts okay. are with you, Mark. My goodness. Uh, and it was my little brother. Uh, very special to me. That being said, these uh, shootout sites, uh, shooting galleries, uh, used to be run in tenement houses. Uh, you cannot control it. If you want to go there under the agreement that you can shoot up safely for a week, and then you have to go into a rehab center. Hey, Mark, do me a favor. We're going to talk tomorrow about uh, offering crack pipes, too. I want you to call back, if you could, tomorrow night, too, on the show, because we'll be talking about that as well. Mark, first of all, thank you for calling. And also, our prayers and thoughts are with you and your family. You're right. We cannot incentivize these people more. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.